Hi, everyone. This special episode of the HR Happy Hour Show was recorded live at the HR Technology Conference 2019 in front of a live audience and was super fun to do. We welcomed four amazing guests to talk technology, culture, the integration of technology, and the human element in HR and the workplace, and much more. It was a really fun show, and we had a great time recording it live. Thank you to all our guests, and thanks to the HR Technology Conference for including the HR Happy Hour Show at the event. And today's show is sponsored by OC Tanner, the global leader in engaging workplace cultures, helping thousands of top companies create peak moments that inspire people to achieve, appreciate, and connect to purpose and each other. Clients use OC Tanner's Culture Cloud suite of apps and solutions to retain, engage, and attract talent, bond teams, drive innovation, and communicate company values. Learn more at www.octanner.com. And we're also sponsored by People Strategy. From intuitive hire-to-retire HR technology to comprehensive benefits consulting and HR services, People Strategy offers employers a single source for the tools and services necessary to attract, manage, and retain talent. Find out more at www.peoplestrategy.com. You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve Bowes. And I'm Trish McFarlane, coming to you live from the HR Technology Conference. How's this, right? It's pretty, pretty amazing. I so love being live with you. This we is are recording different. live in front of a packed, packed capacity crowd. Oh, I Thank love you, that. crowd. We I, need a crowd for every show. I feel like that's, that's maybe the next step. Yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, tech startup founder types here crowd as a service kind of thing could be a something that happens <laughs> all right anybody can like take that idea feel free let me do a quick reset for folks here especially our live audience who uh has anyone listened to the hr happy hour show before who's here live all right good about, about uh, one third of the crowd that's not bad <laughs> 10 years ago when we started this it was literally one person out of 100 maybe if it was Maybe. Uh, one. Yes. So real quick, the HR Happy Hour Show is the longest running and most downloaded podcast in the HR space. It was created in 2009 uh, as a resource, oddly enough, for my students. Yes, shockingly, a college let me instruct students on HR technology back in 2009. And in 2009, and maybe even still today, there was not a textbook about HR technology. So in search of content to share... Uh, educational content for the students. We created the podcast to interview thought leaders from uh, product uh, leaders, executives in HR about HR and HR technology. Right. And I was just going to say, I think I didn't join on until 2013, maybe. But so I was a listener, a fan, uh, sometimes guest, but um, all credit goes to you for, for having the thought to start this. Well, so, thank you very much. Great and, resource. And the last thing is, you can subscribe to the HR Happy Hour wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm not sure what number show this is. It's very, very close to show number 400. So we've been doing this for a while. And I was going to say, I think we're approaching our two millionth download yes. very shortly. Yes. So that's... And with the support of this audience, maybe three million someday. You think? Okay, good. All right. <laughs> so we're here to talk with some of the great HR technology uh, thought leaders and folks who are here today. Folks that we uh, have known for a while. Folks, I think almost everyone maybe has been on the show before. We've got four guests. We'll bring them on uh, across the next half hour or so. Talk to them about uh, their work, their companies, their views on HR tech, and we'll have some fun. Cocktails are available. The bar's around the corner. We encourage, uh, I encourage you, Trish, as well as myself hour. and our guests to uh, have fun with this. All right, good. Very good. Uh, here we go. Our first guest making his fifth appearance on the HR Happy Hour show is Mr. Don Weinstein from ADP. Don, welcome to hey, the Don. HR Happy Hour show. Yes. Hello. So it's like your anniversary appearance. I, so, where do I go to get my five-year jacket? So, Don, there is a five-year, five-appearance five gift that, that you'll be getting soon. It is a set of steak knives. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I like steak. There you go. So, Don, tell us a little bit about you, and then, more importantly, man, some big stuff happening at ADP. Some of it we heard about this morning in Josh yeah. Burson's keynote, but uh, tell the good folks what's happening over there. Uh, well, pretty excited. Uh, we're, we're launching a, a next-generation human capital management platform. That's our, our big news at the show. Picked up the uh, the product of the year award uh, last night, and uh, delighted to be on the awesome new tech panel tomorrow at uh, four fifteen. I not just because we're on it. I always feel like awesome new tech is my favorite uh, part of the show. So, and that I hear that from a lot of people. Actually, that's one of those key things that you make sure that you stop in for because you really see what everyone is is doing. Kind of that's super innovative, right? So. Yeah. Like internally, as you're planning out maybe what you're working on, um, when you find out that you're going to be part of awesome new technologies, I mean, is that something that really is important and resonates back, you know, back in the workplace? Are they really proud to have that happen, or oh, that, the reaction? Oh, it's it, it's a big deal. The, the team's super psyched about that. And and again, the the thing that's cool about it is our our very own Steve curates, you know, yeah. who who gets in and who doesn't. So it's that's sort of true. like, uh, and he's a tough critic, uh, as you know. So uh, being uh, being included in that, and this is our, our, our fifth year in a row on the awesome new tech panel. There's like a theme of fives, yeah. I feel like, with yeah. Don. It's always fun when, we're, when I'm looking at technologies to showcase an awesome new technology and product team like Don's, you know, and the companies that pitch and, and demo to be, they've spent hours and hours working, crafting this pitch and crafting a perfect demo. And after 10 minutes or so, they get to hear me say, so I think you should do it completely differently. <laughs> Change everything about it and do it this way, which is... Only partially true, but uh, yeah, Don and the team do a great job uh, innovating. And, and maybe let's talk about that a little bit. So uh, innovation in HR tech, uh, sometimes we think it can only come from startups, and it does come from startups a lot, but it, it's also coming from some of the companies, uh, the larger companies like ADP. How do you guys think about innovation, and how do you make sure you're continuing to innovate you know, on a company that's been around for a long time? Yeah, no, for sure. By the way, it's, it, 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 it's obvious here that every year the startup pavilion gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So you can just see the, the trend line on that. You know, for us, I think it's, it's great. It's a challenge, but it's, it's almost like it spurs us to do better. Um, what we did in particular is we, we made a huge commitment to innovation a few years ago. And so we created some separate innovation centers. We built one in Chelsea, uh, in, in New York, which is the second biggest tech community in the world. And we're delighted to host both of you there just uh, just the other week. 
And we were able to bring in a lot of people from outside the organization. As we said, if you want to do things differently, you have to do things differently. And what that meant was we need to go to different location. We need to bring in different people. We need to adopt different methodologies. So we made a hardcore commitment to, uh, to full agile on development, to, to having a design-driven uh, focus to what we do. So we changed our methodology. We changed our people. We changed just even where we do the work to help us break out of the business-as-usual paradigm. And I, I will say, I think the, the results are, are there, so we feel like it's been a good move for us. I know you travel a lot around the world, um, and as does m many members of your team. Do you find that there are certain trips where you really get some spark ideas that you didn't plan for, or can you think of any examples maybe where you know, you were out and about and that actually came back and led to something that, yeah. that manifested in the product itself? Yeah, I, I'll, and I'll take that in a slightly different direction because you know, we do the, the classic, you know, uh, hit with all the big clients. We have our, our global client conference, which we do internationally every year. So you get to see some different things. Actually, where I, where I get some of the, the best out-of-the-box ideas is when I step outside the industry. Yes. I'm always really keen, you know, in, in my role, I have a kind of a weird role because I've got all of the market-facing product and technology, but I'm also, I'm also the CIO for the company internally, mm -hmm. just different challenge. But, um, so I go to a lot of CIO conferences, and I go, you know, meet with a lot of lot of other technology companies who are who are vendors to us, to understand what they're doing. And you know, by way of example, I'll just give you an, uh, what we did with our ADP marketplace, which we brought to the. That was our first awesome new right. tech back in 2000. And for folks who maybe not know, just quick, what is the ADP marketplace? Thank you. So the ADP marketplace is the first open application store for uh, professional, for, for our clients to be able to go and find and discover and use applications from startups and large vendors alike that are pre-integrated with ADP. So if you're like, look, I want to go use, uh, you name it, and you find it on the app store and you can download it and, it's, and it just works with our products because we've got pre-defined API integrations. So, you know, by example, so that was the first, first uh, app store in the human capital management industry, but for sure, the concept of app stores existed. They existed in different contexts. Obviously, Apple being the one who pioneered the app store. So we look at, well, what's, what's Apple doing that's, that's truly, truly innovative? How can we bring that back uh, into what we're doing here? You know, plenty of, plenty of other examples like that, like our next generation HCM platform, which is, is the one we're rolling out right now. We redid the whole user interface. And when you first log in, it's just a search bar. Just a search bar, that's it. What's the idea there? Well, where does anybody go to it get information? Like Google.com kind of, right? It's Google for HR. Yeah. So it's getting that innovation inspiration by looking at examples in other parts of the economy and finding the, the translation back to our domain. Well, I think, too, when you do that, um, not only are you sort of building off of things that people are comfortable with, but it lets you start from a, a really solid point to then begin innovating on top of that, right? You're not starting just from scratch. It's something that's very comfortable. People understand how Google works. So having them then do that yeah. from an HR perspective should hopefully help user adoption and really make it seem like you don't have to go through a ton of training to understand how to use the tool. That's right. I mean, the best, the best solution is no training because it's just so comfortable to what we're doing. So I, we, we get a lot of, I spend a lot of time looking at the consumer technology landscape. So whether it's 
how do I find information? Let me look at Google, for, for example. Or as we talked about when, when we did our pitch to, to Steve for the awesome new tech panel, let me rethink the org chart from the traditional hierarchy. Let me think about Facebook and how they model social relationships and rethink the workforce as a set of social networks and, again, bring that paradigm. I don't have to train people on how to navigate our org structure. If you've ever used Facebook, it's going to feel very comfortable and intuitive to you. Yeah. Don, one last question for you before we let you go. Big night tonight at HR Tech, by the way. This is party night for folks who are not at the conference. or Folks who are out here probably know this. this is, we're recording this on a Wednesday. This is traditionally a big night of uh, evening activities. I know, Don, you, you guys have something planned, but uh, one more for you before we let you go. And this is about data. I think uh, we, we listened to Josh Burson do his keynote uh, this morning, and of the many interesting things he shared, one I think is one of the most fascinating statistics in all of HR tech, which is about one in six U.S. workers are paid through an ADP system. So I'd like to ask you, what are you guys doing with all that data? That's a good question. Can I, can I actually make it even like a bigger number? Go ahead. So, that's any given payday. But we went back and looked because of the way people, you know, turn over in the workforce. So over the course of a year, we'll actually touch more like 40 to 50 million people. Wow. And then we did a historical look back over the last 10 years and found in some form or other, we've actually paid over 90 million unique individuals uh, in the last 10 years. So what are we doing with that data? We're having lots of, lots of fun with it. Um, the biggest thing I think... <laughs> Fun with data. I it's, like that. It, wow. it is fun. No? How many yeah. people here data believe that? Fun with data. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm self-incriminating uh, uh, on that one. Um, one of the things that we launched is, uh, is our Compensation Explorer. So it, most things, what does everybody love to do? They love to look up, okay, like what do my neighbors make? And am I making more than, uh, than they are? Are they making more than I am? So we've created this Compensation Explorer that you can go and drill in by job title, by location, by industry, uh, by you name it. And that's, that's incredibly, pro it, it, funny story on that one. So we were demoing it for our board of directors. We have our board strategy session once a year. And you know, that's when we give them the showcase of, hey, here's all the cool technology. So we've got this Explorer set up and all the board members are going through like, oh, Steve, let's go look up your zip code. Oh, and, <laughs> but uh, that's just that's just a, a minor example. But I'll give you one. Can I give you one really cool sure. use case? Right. And then and then I'll, I'll I'll drop out. But you talked about the number of people that we have uh, in 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 our data set. So it's, and I think it's something only you know ADP can do because you just have to have the scale to do it. So clearly we know how some, much somebody's paid at one organization. Disclaimer: everything anonymized aggregated, no individually identifiable data. I'm talking about broad trends. But I can see when an individual or a group of individuals move from one competitor to another and vice versa. And then I can see the compensation differential. So, you know, you have to typically pay a premium to attract somebody. Right. So I can, I can say when somebody moves from Trish's company to Steve's company, how much of a premium Steve has to pay. I mean, it's clearly a trade-up. It's a yeah. trade-up. And I can see when somebody moves from no Steve. No one leaves my company. When Steve's company to <laughs> Trish's company, the premium that they pay. And then you can take those two numbers and put them into a ratio. Right. Like, do I have to over or underpay to hire relative to my competition? And I think that is the best, first, and maybe only objective metric of your employment 
talent brand out there. And right. so that's something that comes really from scale. Don, well, fun with I think data. Too, that's something See, isn't that, that fun? It's that's fun. something when you work in HR, we used to do that all manually. I mean, I spent hours and hours. I don't know if anybody else out there is in human resources, but you actually spent hours, you know, just 10 or 15 years ago trying to figure that out. So having the ability to do that with technology would be... It doesn't yeah. make me want to go back into HR exactly, but maybe. Oh, like no, close. Maybe. That's pretty cool. Don, <laughs> great job. Fifth appearance. Look for those steak knives in the mail. <laughs> Thanks for being with us today. Don Weinstein, ADP, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's keep rolling. We've got three more guests to go on. Thank so you. to try to keep this moving and fun, we're going to bring on two guests at the same time. Please welcome Lisa Sterling from Ceridian. Come on up, Lisa. Yay. And... For folks who are here in the Pitch Fest, you may have just met him a few minutes ago. Please come join us, Ben Brooks from Pilot. Ben, come on up. I feel like it's a game show. Like, come on down, down. Ben Brooks. And I gave you the crappy chair. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's not crappy. He's right by me. Are you kidding? Well, the company's awesome. The chair, not so much. All right. Since you got the crappy chair, Ben Brooks, tell us a little bit about yourself. And more importantly, tell us what's uh, cool and fun about your new company, Pilot. All right. Well, I'm a former HDR practitioner myself and uh, implemented a lot of technology. Came to this conference for years and spoke at this conference. And now I'm in a very different, it's a very first time back in five years. And I own a company called Pilot. And the idea is it's software-based coaching for employees. And part of everyone talks about the future of work and fixing work and workplaces and culture. And everything is sort of this top-down on the backs of HR and on the Mm -hmm. backs of frontline managers and I have not met a frontline manager or an HR person that does not have enough to do, right? Um, and so our, our point of view is we want to empower employees to own their experience at work and shape that to meet their own needs and to manage their own careers. And we think that they can do that right in the job that they already have. They don't need to leave. Um, there's a lot of great recruiting technology out there to get people to leave. We're kind of a technology to get people to stay. And we're really excited about that and really kind of having each person kind of get over their learned helplessness or their small locus of control because, you know, each of us, you know, deserve to feel powerful at work. And our mission as a company is for people to feel powerful at work. You know, I think one of the most interesting things about your company, because I've watched you from sort of day one all the way through now, which, you know, the last couple of years, um, for anyone who hasn't really had a conversation with Ben, so... He has been sort of my my leadership coach for years, right, unofficially. And so when I think of you and sort of your your approach to coaching yourself, right, um, and that you, you turned that around and actually built that into something that could be for, you know, uh, lots of employees, right, at scales, mm-hmm. I think that's what's impressive. It's not just something like this is someone that I can actually attest his his advice and his wisdom and his guidance, which isn't always what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Um, I think being able to turn that into something that you can then, you know, push out to many more people is actually quite brilliant. So, when I'll just add to that is thank you so much for that. And just that there's a lot of talk about artificial intelligence. That's kind of the buzzword of the year, right? right. Um, sometimes it's, you know, and, and we really kind of, we talk about, you know, RP is better than AI and RP being real people. And so we <laughs> actually that. think that the <laughs> ultimate supercomputer in technology is the human brain and that each individual probably knows more about their situation, their needs 
but just like in some of our conversations, it requires you to slow down, to reflect, to be asked hard questions, yes. to be challenged, also to cut yourself some slack. A lot of high performers are really tough on themselves. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you, you know, again, we, the thing that we're trying to use technology to optimize is actually the ultimate supercomputer, which is the was just the brain. Right. Ben, that's fascinating. I'm tired of hearing about that. So <laughs> <let's>... <laughs> I was just going to add on for a second. I want Lisa Sterling to jump into the conversation. Lisa Sterling from Ceridian, yeah. before you tell him how crazy that was. Yeah. It wasn't uh, crazy, all right. actually. <laughs> you were one of our Future of Work speakers here at the was, Technology yeah. Conference, and it, Ben mentioned that a little bit as well. So what's your take on all this? But the, the point that you just made that I think is so incredibly important is, is this is not about HR. Like, this is about people. And, and when we talk about the, the people experience or the human experience or whatever the hell you want to call it today, mm-hmm. um, it's about individuals getting engaged and being part of that experience, not human resources or leaders being the one that drive that. We are responsible for what happens to us. And as humans, we got to take responsibility for that. So I applaud Amen. what you're doing. Yes, thank you. How do you balance it out, though, Lisa? Like, like Ben mentioned, artificial intelligence is the, the kind of the buzzword of, of this year's conference. It probably will be next year as well. Mm-hmm. How do you find that balance between sort of tech-driven, data-driven, data-making decisions for us and sort of that, that personal, that people element? This might not be the popular answer. Um, I don't really know that we are at a point where AI is actually driving behavior. I mean, I was here, I've been coming here for 12 years. God, that's aging me. But um, five years ago, we were talking about big data. Everybody had signs around here that talked about big data. How many signs do you see here today about big data? What happened to big data? It just, it became non-existent. AI is the new buzzword, and, and I think it's, it is absolutely what people are focused on, but it's not driving our behaviors. It is not changing the way that we're creating programs or a culture or experiences for our people. It's just the latest thing that we are, are wrapping our hands around. And, you know, Don talked about this earlier. What I love about this, this, this conference and how it's grown is as I look around, there's far more companies that are starting up to try to be more about people. When I used to come here back in the early days and worked for a, a company who's been acquired, you saw the same companies every year, and each year you saw them acquire the companies, whereas now there's creativity, there's new opportunity like Ben's company. We've got to stop getting on what the latest buzz is and do what's right for people. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things, too, with that is the the few discussions that I've had, I think, that are most meaningful around artificial intelligence or machine learning is it's it's sort of helping clarify behavior in things so that it frees up more time for the people interactions. So again, if I'm an HR leader, I'm sort of feeling overwhelmed maybe about all of this AI, but I don't really know what does that mean from an impactful standpoint in my day-to-day life. If something that is going to make recommendations for me that will do something over here so that I can then go have this relationship um, more fully. And to your point of slowing down and having thoughtful conversation. And also, I think one thing that you said is sort of about not not expecting to make a decision right away. Like you might give feedback to someone that you're having a conversation with. They don't have to act on it or even understand what that it might be. He's given me advice over the years where it's like I think about it a whole year and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, now I know what I need to do. Right. Light bulb. But but if I I sort of feel like and, and we're not there yet. You're right. But I feel like with artificial intelligence and machine learning sort of guiding certain yes. aspects of our business, maybe that will give us more thoughtful time, because probably the biggest struggle I've had both in corporate life or working on product or even working for myself is no time to stop and think. 
Yep. Absolutely. No time Absolutely. to think. It's just go, go, go. Meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. And we, so we hear from our customers that, you know, down. make our employees think, right? Because they're yes. capable. We believe them. But, but the, the attention economy, we're all distracted and things. And what I love about, you know, seeing everyone at PitchFest this year, and this is a testament to what Steve has done with this entire event, is the diversity. I mean, I looked at even the founder profiles, demographics, industries they're from, countries they're from, uh, ethnic minorities, a lot of women, LGBT, et cetera. And you're seeing more interesting ideas yes. than just another commodity HR sort Absolutely. of product. I, I'm, I'm nodding because I have done a great job with you, that. You, <laughs> yeah. and, and I will say that, you know, Girl, I think... I'll pat you on the back. So, <laughs> so much of HR tech, right, you know, originally kind of started, you know, that it was sort of like, let's let's automate and self-serve everything and the, right. and the machine does all of it. And I think we're seeing the pendulum swing back where it's sort of human-machine symbiosis, yes. right? Where, yes. you know, and, and, and where does the, the, the machine or the technology help the person but not replace the person, right? And, and I think there's all this talk about robots taking over and you know all this other stuff and, and automation that'll some maybe happen one day but I mean I think it's about technology making us better yes. at what we do the best as people rather than replacing the people and I think that's where it actually gets exciting and so many companies that are here this year are starting to yes. delve into that space right. absolutely so one thing I would ask sort of in that vein is what would be your impression of, you know, we hear a lot about productivity, right? So you could probably go to many vendors here. Productivity is huge. We're, we're wanting Absolutely. to have technologies that are going to push, push, push. There, there comes a limit, right, to how much a human can be productive before it starts to taper off. In terms of looking at time to reflect and think and actually maybe have thoughtful innovation, how does that relate? Because obviously, you know, you have a solution where it's it's definitely productivity is a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I know, just in discussions we've had over the years, there's that element of needing to infuse innovation into a workforce. How have you seen that either, whether it's that in Ceridian itself, mm-hmm. right? Because you've, you've been in charge of people there for a long time or with maybe just from a customer perspective? How, how do you see that relationship between productivity and in a time to innovate? Yeah, well, it's, it's being really deliberate and thoughtful about creating that time for your people. And, and I think that's a, that's a big part of what we do is the delivery to our customer through our product is absolutely core to what we do. But we also open up actual time for our employees to go do things away from their day-to-day roles through things like uh, hackathons and, and different types of programs that we have internally where it's like, you know what, step away from your job for two days or three days mm-hmm. and go innovate. It would be wonderful if you innovated things that would move our needle of, you know, forward right. with Dayforce. Right. But in the same breath, like, just go go do some ideation. Go do some creative thinking and come back to us with some recommendations on things uh, that we can make better in terms of our company, our culture, our product. It's actually saying it's okay to step away from your job and go use your brain mm-hmm. and, and use the human elements yep. of who we are. Because some of the best ideas that we've had at Ceridian in terms of our program and our technology have came from some of our employees that are on the front lines every day dealing with our customers and thinking, my gosh, my job is super complicated. How can I make it better? Right. Yeah. I always like love talking to HR leaders from HR companies, HR tech companies, because I always feel like there's a lot of pressure on you. There's a lot of pressure. Like you better be pretty good at HR, <laughs> right? Right. If you're out yeah. there telling all these companies how to sort of do HR. Yeah, that's a tough. You guys think a about little that? pressure. Just yeah. a little. Well, and I think, and also helping employees find that time and creating the structures for that, because you know one thing that managers don't do a great job at is helping employees manage their time. Unless you're in a manufacturing or call center, or really structured work mm-hmm. environment, you know, or shift kind of environment. So that's where I think empowering employees to be 
more rigorous with me- which meetings they decide to attend and not, or how long they stay in one, and being less distracted by things and context switching a lot. There's, a, I mean, if you, if you don't know what context switching is, Google it. You will save yourself two hours a day. You'll go home <laughs> earlier, get more things done. And so I think that it's like you know creating the space, and it could be an event, but it's also the employee even in their own calendar Absolutely. or their own time carving that out, getting away from their desk, having time to think, taking a walk, talking about things, which you talk about like meaning at work, and it's something that HR is supposed to provide. The employee can provide a lot of that for themselves, but they have to manage and regulate priorities and time and focus to do the things that you all are talking about. And I think that's, you know, what we need to keep encouraging and creating the structures around. Well, and I will say, you know, for Ceridian, one of our focuses is select really smart people and then get out of their way and let them do what they want. And a big part of our culture is bringing people in and allowing them to be the best version of themselves at work, mm-hmm. letting them live out their aspirations at work as well. There's there's no such thing as life and work integration. It's all about fluidity at this point. And when we find our people are the most successful is when they can take their inspiration and aspiration and have them like combined with work and life. Can I say, though, one thing? I think it really depends on the culture, too, because I, I can see from your own example, you you as a leader in your company model that behavior. I do. And I think that sometimes, and maybe there are people here that can relate to that, sometimes you wind up in a company where your leadership is not modeling that and then you feel like you're handcuffed to your Absolutely. your Outlook or Google Calendar, right? Because you feel guilty from stepping away. I Even working for myself, I, f- I literally feel guilty if I go take a walk for an hour, which is silly. It's, it is you know, silly. But that's hard You should. To Get back to work. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No, but I do think that that's something, too. Do you find, I know you have, um, you know, several young women. I was going to say young daughters. They're not even that young anymore, well, right? Well, 21, 13, oh, and 11, right. so they're so still young. What kind of things do you do you see? Because you've been modeling this behavior, right, for them as in their formative years. Are you seeing that sort of for this next generation, that that's something they find important or that they expect? Or how do you feel that's really impacting sort of the up-and-coming generation of workers we're going to encounter in the next two, three, five years. Yeah, you know, what's funny is um, I talked about this earlier today in, in my talk about the future of work. Like, the, the generational aspect for me is is really not about the specific generations. It's about meeting people where they're at in their stage of life. And my 21-year-old is one of the hardest working people I know. She's got a collegiate athletic element, which you see all my pictures of her and, and the success she's having. But she is one of the most dedicated finance majors ever. She's got two minors. And if you look at her and you cast her in terms of generation, you would say that she's not that type of person. We are setting the example for these kids and and showing them that you can have an integration and fluidity is important. Um, But don't underestimate what this this younger group of people coming into the workforce is going to do for us. They are going to transform where we are at. Um, And for me, I want to be that example. I want to show my girls that if you work hard, you got it. All right, one more from me for Ben before we let you two guys go and welcome our final guest to the show. Ben, quickly, you're pitching tomorrow in the finals of the HR Tech Pitch Fest. In a minute or so, tell us about that, what you're thinking, how you're feeling about the Pitch Fest tomorrow. How nervous are you? A combination of excited and anxious, right? And we're excited because, you know, $25,000 prize, which would make a big difference. And a very large novelty check. (laughs) Oh, cool. I've always won one of those, like, publisher's clearinghouse things on on the front door. Rolling up to the ATM with that. (laughs) The price is right. You know, I'll try to check that on United. Carry on. You know. 
Um, and I, I, we're, I'm, we're very you know, honored to, be, to have been selected and to make the final round, and it means a lot to us. I founded the company with my life savings. We've never had a fundraising meeting. We're a LGBT-owned company. You know, we make a lot of difference with women in particular. We've won awards around that, and I'm just, we're excited to get our product in the hands of more people, and I'm excited to, to tell the story. One of the things that's been great about the PitchFest experience is we've really had to hone our messaging in a way that you know, we keep struggling with, like, how do we describe this, and what do we call this, and what is the anchor point around coaching, and does that they think it's a person, but it's software, and what? And so it's, it's really put us uh, through the ringer in a really great, learn, high, steep learning curve, high-pressure sort of way, and we're really grateful for it. So regardless of, of what happens with PitchFest tomorrow, I think that we've won as a company just because the learning and growth, and we've changed our website. We launched a new website this week, new messaging, a bunch of stuff as a result of getting ready for this. And so I think you know already we feel extremely satisfied, but we're excited to give it our best tomorrow. Ben, good luck tomorrow. Thank Get you. Get that money. Good luck. Get so for folks who are here at the show, the live audience here, which is hanging in here, nobly, uh-huh. which is fantastic, Yay. 10 a.m. tomorrow for the finals of the Pitch Fest. I'll be emceeing. Awesome. I'll see you tomorrow. Ben Brooks, Lisa Sterling, thank you so much for joining us Our on the Live HR Happy Hour Show. Glad to be Our here. Pleasure. All right. Thanks, live audience, hang in there. One, One more guest to go. I love the live audience aspect. <laughs> I feel like, though, there's been people taking photos of okay. this. Thank you. This uh, show. I feel like every single photo is going to be me like slugging off this beer. That's like every single day. Well, when we're at home, no one <laughs> takes photos. So we, I'm excited for our final guest today, Trish. And you want to know why? Why? Because this gentleman I've known for a while. I've seen him at many, many conferences. Right. We are frequently mistaken for brothers or for each other, oddly enough. Please welcome Mr. Jarek Conrad from Ultimate Software. Jarek, how are you? Hey. Somebody take a photo and tweet that out. We'll, so, we'll ha- do a poll. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's my good side, this side or that side. I didn't know which side. You could switch, you could switch halfway all through. Right. Jarek, for handsome guys like us, it's all good. Yeah. It's all I good. cut off my white hair, though, so oh, I, yes. uh, we're not. For yes. folks who don't know us, Jarek used to kind of have a goatee <laughs> a bit like mine. My, my glasses used to look a bit like his. Yeah. We're both sharp dressers, as well, we can well, tell. Well. And that's our, that's our joke we've had for many years. So, Jack, how are you? Great to see you. I'm well. I'm well. Glad to be here and glad that the audience is sticking in. I, the, the, I have one, you know, beef, though. Okay. Uh, going last. I mean, I, you know, everything we I wanted to say, I heard everybody that. already talking about. <laughs> so what, what are we going to talk about? You're going to talk about new <laughs> and interesting things. All right. We'll see. No pressure. We'll see. <laughs> so what's happening at Ultimate That Anything interesting you guys are working on, want to talk about and, and well, share? Again, when I listen to your other two guests speaking, there's so many things that we're working on that, you know, just resonates when I hear what they talked about. I know for me, I work in a thought leadership group at Ultimate, so I won't talk a whole lot about products. Um, uh, but I, I'm, I'm focused on what we're thinking about, you know, and uh, when I hear the last folks talk, we, everybody's talking about people. You know, our tagline is people first. And for me, everything we do, it needs to get an understanding. If, if we're really people first, we need to understand people at a really sophisticated level. And so a lot of the technology, their tools and they're helpful. And then we say we want people to do this and we want people to do that. But we need to understand why they're not doing it right now, uh, which means we need to understand more about psychology. I do agree with the last guest that the most important technology, the most important tool is the human brain. Right. We need to know more about that. So, so I'm thinking about that. We're thinking about that. And, and we're trying to figure out, you know, who are we and why are we so that we can figure out how to help make us better. I think one of the most interesting things to me when I hear you talking about that is that sometimes if you're not that close to how technology actually is developed, you might think it is just about sort of automating a form or automating a process. And not that there isn't 
certainly value to that occasionally, right? That's yeah, a part yeah. of it. But I do think that it's interesting to find out that companies like Ultimate invest so heavily in that thought leadership and that thought process that goes into what's behind the technology that sort of the technology is is founded on, if you will. Absolutely. Right. And that's and it hasn't been new. You you talked about people first. I mean, as far I've been coming here, this is my tenth year. Um, that's been a theme that's been running for, and maybe longer than that, right? Yeah. So this is something that is not a new, it's not a buzzword or catchphrase or something like that. Yeah. I do feel like that's at the at the core of what you all have been doing all along. Do you find that when you're talking with, whether it's you know current customers, potential customers, maybe your developers, maybe your fellow leaders, um, how are you sort of seeing um, the direction that Ultimate is taking with, you have that people-first approach already that's baked into your culture, you are now sort of, you have this infusion of thoughtfulness and thought leadership and psychology into it. Do you, how do you see that as a real differentiator for you all? Yeah. Well, I think it's different. I'll tell you about my experiences inside the company. I oftentimes, we'll get calls from our product folks and they want to know, what are you thinking about? Tell us about this. Tell us about that. So uh, just an example, um, I did a recent blog where we created this this employee continuum of needs. So everybody here remember you remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Love the hierarchy. And so we created this continuum. We don't think it's a top-down thing. It's more of a continuum. And if you think about it, there are people in the early stages of that continuum. They're in survival mode. And so the products and services and how they might use the products and services, how they negotiate life within the organization is very different than somebody in the latter stages that may be in the fulfillment. So think about something as practical as diversity and inclusion. So everybody here, Trish, you and I are going to be talking about diversity and inclusion tomorrow. It has, again, become one of those buzz terms, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, So think about this. If you're inside an organization and you say, well, I've looked at our numbers and we're struggling as it relates to to women and people of color or under underrepresented, other underrepresented folks, particularly as you go higher in our organization. And you say, well, we got to do something about that, right? Diversity and inclusion is important for us, so we're going to launch into this initiative. And so we do all this marketing around diversity and inclusion and think about your employees, how they receive it. So if I am, for instance, a white male and I'm in survival mode, right? So I'm just thinking about you know, am I, am I going to keep this job? You know, am I going to be able to pay the rent? You know, what am I going to, and just survival mode. And I hear that the company is launching this, this thing around diversity and inclusion to have more women and people of color. H- how does that translate for me? Right. They're coming to get me. That's right. right. <laughs> They're coming to get me. So how might I respond to that? I might get defensive. So I might put up all kinds of barriers associated with that because I'm in that stage. Think about it differently. Think about if I am a white male, but I am in the, the more advanced, the more progressed stages of this continuum. I'm in fulfillment, right? I'm, I'm self-actualized. When I hear that, I'm like, wow, you know what? This is a learning opportunity for me. I want to be around some people who are different from me. It may make me better. So people are going to hear that message differently based on where they are. And I don't think collectively as organizations, now I'm a recovering HR professional. I, I, I love I've been that. 20 years in, in human resources, so it's interesting that I'm not practicing HR on a day-to-day basis anymore. But, but we will launch into something for all the right reasons, but we're not always you know, uniquely keen to how people are hearing that message. So before we go and launch this diversity and inclusion initiative, we should do some research and trying to understand where are our employees along that continuum. 
and what message resonates with each stage of that continuum so I can you know, better meet people where they are and face less resistance so that this thing has a chance of, of working. So, so that's the kind of thinking that we're trying to do. And what I like about that, Jarek, is that you, you, you're not talking about a certain gender. You're not talking about a certain race. You're not talking no. about a certain you know, religious background or whatnot. It's, it's where each person is on the continuum, regardless of what they identify as with. Right. It's absolutely. And to me, that that right there brings some sort of inclusion, inclusiveness around the approach that you take to your employee base instead of sort of dividing people into silos or buckets. Yeah, Um, it's just a it's a whole different mindset in the way that you think about your employee population holistically. Uh, Absolutely. And I'll tell you where technology helps us a lot with this is that it helps us get away from some assumptions. Uh, so oftentimes when we're thinking about these thorny issues, we, you know, we assume certain things. You know, we assume as an African-American, he said that because he's African-American. Well, the truth is there are 100 African-Americans here. 50 of them said it this way. 50 of them said it that way. So it's not because we're African-American. It's something else. Right. Technology now, when you use tools like sentiment analysis that you know, we have through perception, it, it, it gives you an opportunity to get into that window to understand the sentiment of somebody at, a, at an individual level. And so technology can aid us in understanding some of these really thorny issues. But I agree with everybody here that, you know, it still gets down to the humanity of it and be able to have these touch points where you can right. touch people and talk with them. Can I give you an example of that? I just thought of it as you were talking about it. Um, so when I worked in healthcare, I worked at a children's hospital. And I was a human resources leader over, like, our 26 non-clinical departments. And one of those was security for the mm-hmm. hospital. Mm-hmm. And our head of security was an African-American female. And we just loved each other. We worked together all the time. Um, she came one day and she was really upset. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, I just, I walk by this doctor so-and-so every day in the hall. He won't talk to me. He ignores me. I swear, he has something against black people. <laughs> and I looked at her and I was shocked, first of all. And I said, well, I walk by him all the time, too. He doesn't talk to me either. And I always assume it's because this was one of our, our uh, physicians who worked with, like, the most ill children ever. And he lost, unfortunately, children occasionally. And it was an extremely tough job, right? Yeah. He was doing with, like, the cancer patients who needed surgery. And they're just, you know, there's a high now, mortality now, sure, rate there. It, it sounds like he might have had an issue with women. So you might have <laughs> well, now, I, maybe, I get, I get so, now, see, I didn't even go there. No, but... But it was interesting. So when I told her, I said, wow, I never thought that he wasn't talking to me because then I was just thinking, like, he's probably had a really tough day or maybe he just got out of a really tough surgery. But my point being, in her experience, what led her to that day is that he had to be not speaking with her because of her race. And I just didn't have that same perspective. And so once we talked about it, it was actually really helpful yeah. But that was just one example, and I think that could happen every day. Just had she not said that, she would have gone on thinking it was just her or because her race. Or now I yeah, think it's because I, we were women. We, we've Thanks got time, so much. We've got time yeah. for one more yeah. great story, Trish. I'll, yeah. I have a, we, oh, stop it. We have time for one more. Yeah, <laughs> Are you still here? I, I'm mine. I, I know. I, 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 I should have maybe. Welcome away. to Trish's HR Happy Hour. Um, <laughs> we got time for one more before they're going to run us out of this hall okay. for the end of the show. Uh, so some of this, and I think that story, Trish, made me think of like it's really about understanding people better, right? right? And getting past some of these assumptions you might make. Jarek, how can technology help us understand our people better and understand each other better? Can it do that? 
I think it, I, I think it can help. I think um, I think we miss one part that we haven't we, we haven't gotten where we need to go, and it's not just understanding people better; it's understanding ourselves. So I think that if we can start to use technology to help us be self-reflective so we can start to understand ourselves better. So going back to your example, that young lady, if she happened to be the only black person or if you're the only woman in a high level in the organization or if you're the only whatever, when something happens to you, the natural inclination, if your brain is working the way it's supposed to, the natural inclination is, I wonder if this has something to do with me being different. So that's right. a kind of a natural thing. And so going back to this whole, since we're on this theme of this whole continuum, right. you might have some people that are operating at the earliest stages of that continuum. They feel like they're in survival mode just because they're one of the only people who are like them. Right. And they have to walk around on pins and needles wondering if they're being treated differently as a result of it. So, so I think to the degree that technology can help us understand ourselves right. better, Great point. Uh, that's going to be really important. I like that. Uh, but certainly, uh, again, things like sentiment analysis, that will uh, enable us to pinpoint the level uh, of emotional, that somebody's emotional state, kind of what they're feeling. Because sometimes they can't verbally articulate it, but they may be able to articulate it in kind of a survey mechanism, and that machine learning and that uh, AI can pull it out and, and can get that sentiment. So, right. so we're, we're getting there, right? We're, right? we're on the edges of being able to do that. All right, Jarek, Conrad, my... A strange brother, my long-lost cousin. Brother from another mother. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending some time with us at the HR Happy Hour today. No problem. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Trish, great show. Great show. Let's recap real quick. Thank our guests, Don Weinstein, Lisa Sterling, Ben Brooks, of course, Jared Conrad. Thank you, Trish McFarlane. Thank you. Thanks great to show. HR Tech, to the live audience. That live audience. Really well. Great job, live audience. You probably have a couple more minutes to grab one last cocktail before you leave. Uh, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, great time today. Subscribe to the HR Happy Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks Thank so much you. for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs> thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.